Hey, Celine, this is Shelly, and I just wanted to say thank you for all of the years of encouragement you have been to me. I started listening to your podcast randomly. I was on a run one day in, I think it was 2014. I've been listening to your podcast ever since then, and you had a specific podcast you had done, and I don't even remember the fellow you had interviewed, but you were talking about this kind of experiment he did in just going to places, asking people for things, and not being afraid of the answer no. And it was funny, it was interesting, but it was such a game changer for me as someone who has dealt with anxiety for most of my life and continues to every day. Just that reminder that it's a bigger regret to look back and wonder if something could have happened or could have worked. And so I just appreciate all of your podcasts, your encouragement to so many people. I just want you to know that I've been sharing it with so many of my friends and family and that it's encouraged them as well. But appreciate you so much and hope this can be just a friendly reminder that you're doing an amazing job and we all appreciate you so much. Hey there, thanks so much for joining me today on The Shalene Show. Today, I will be discussing the principles of how to fight. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. All right, I titled this episode How to Fight, but I probably should have titled it How to Win. And maybe you're asking yourself, well, then why wouldn't you have titled it How to Win? Well, because most of us don't struggle with the idea of winning. We struggle with the idea of fighting. Nobody likes to fight, even though it probably seems like there's people in your life who (laughs) they love it and that they are constantly trying to pick a fight. But most normal people hate fighting. We don't like discord. So we want to know how to do it. And the reason why we want to know how to do it is because ultimately we don't want to fight. We want there to be peace and tranquility between ourselves and anyone else for that matter. And yeah, we want to win. So let's start there. What does it mean to win? Well, to win means that you've gotten your way. To win doesn't mean that you've beat the other person into submission. It might mean that you're happy with the outcome. And for many people, in order to feel that, that sense of like contentment, you really need to make sure that both people feel good about it, even if in the long run, you kind of got what you set out to get and they don't realize it, but you've won, right? They think they've won too. Like ultimately, that's where we'd want to be. So let's talk about the principles of how to fight, whether that's with a best friend, a child, a significant other, your marital partner, your parents. It doesn't matter. These principles apply. Step one, you need to pause. The moment you get that feeling, and you know the feeling I'm talking about, where it's like, oh, wait a minute that hurt my feelings, or that made me angry, or, okay, we do not see eye to eye on this. The moment you feel that, you need to pause. And the reason why you want to pause is because you want to give yourself space to do it differently this time. We create these neural pathways in our brain when we fall into habits and patterns. And the moment you start to feel that feeling, that discord, that something isn't right between the two of you, that this person has upset you, they've made you angry, that you disagree, whatever it is, your neural pathways have this, well, it's like a path, right? And you've responded the same way for so many years that it becomes second nature, even if it hasn't served you in the past, even if you don't enjoy it, 
Some people run. Some people confront. Some people get angry. Some people get mean. Some people name call. Some people just go for the juggler. Some people back down. Whatever it is, you have a pattern. And the pause gives you the ability to say, okay, I'm going to disrupt that pattern and do things differently this time. Step two is to identify the source of the discomfort. And I'm going to give you a little hint. You need to figure out what that source is other than just thinking it's the other person. There's a reason, a personal reason, why this upsets you, why this has brought up feelings of anger or sadness or discomfort. And it has more to do with you, I know that's hard to hear, than it does the other person. Now, obviously, they're involved in this, but it doesn't do any good to chase after them and to think that that's the source of your discomfort. That is the equivalent of coming home, realizing that your house has been set on fire. There's like a little fire over in the corner. And instead of grabbing a fire extinguisher and trying to figure out like where this little tiny fire is and putting out the flame, you decide to run out of the house and chase after the person who dropped the match. Meanwhile, your house burns to the ground. So when we focus all of our attention immediately by tapping into our old, worn out neuropathways, it is the equivalent of chasing an arsonist down the road while your house burns down. Instead, what I want you to do is take a moment, like I said, step one, pause, and understand like, what is it about me, my experiences, my past, good or bad, that this stirs up anger? And I'm not asking you to correct it. I'm not asking you to deny it. I'm asking you to understand it and understand yourself. It might be a past wound. It might be a past trigger. It might be that now you know better, so you're wiser, but it all stems, like the feelings that you have have been triggered a little bit because of what this person has done, but the feelings are related to a belief that you have, and that stems from some other experience. All I'm asking you to do is spend a little time being very self-aware and understanding why this particular situation, this conversation, this whatever, makes you feel the way that you do. Here's a bonus point. It also helps to understand if you're getting kind of a response that doesn't match the circumstances from someone else and you're like, wait, why is this such a big deal? Why does this person think that we're in a fight or why are they so defensive or why are they so triggered over this like nothing of a moment? Like, I don't understand why are they getting so upset? Instead of reacting, defending yourself or denying their feelings, again, step one and step two, pause and then do yourself a favor and try to understand, try to think back on what it is you know about this other person that might explain why their reaction doesn't match the situation. Personal experience. Recently, Brett wanted to sit down and have a conversation with me about some decisions we needed to make with our company, some financial decisions. And frankly, the news he needed to share with me or like what he wanted to lay out on the table, it wasn't good, right? So there's an area of our business that we just realized like more and more money is going out the door and we need to do something about it, right? Now, he's the CFO and I'm the creative, CFO meaning chief financial officer. So ultimately, 
the numbers are something that he looks at every single day, and he's really good at it. He also obviously does all of our personal investments, and he oversees the cash flow. You know, we have several different businesses. And one of those businesses, we realized, gosh, there's just so much cash flow going out and not enough coming in. We need to make some decisions for this particular business. He had to sit down and share that with me. And right away, I could tell, like, why is he so like angry and defensive and acting like we're fighting? Dude, I'm just asking some questions. Like, I want to be an active partner in the decision that we need to make. So I need to ask some questions so I have all the facts. But as I'm asking questions, he's acting very combative, like we're fighting. Now, I could get angry with him and get angry back or ask him, like, why are you acting like this? Why are you acting like this? Or I can pause and think about it. And when I did that, I was able to get myself to calm down and realize that this wasn't a personal thing. He wasn't angry with me. He wasn't angry in general, but what I was seeing is his defensiveness because of the way the situation was making him feel about himself and the responsibilities. And I could think about times in the past where our financial situation felt like his responsibility and he had done wrong. So that's what he was feeling. And knowing that allowed me to not take it so personal and to recognize like, okay, so if that's what he's feeling, if I can be empathetic, if I can understand what experiences might be making him feel this way, then I can have empathy and I can put his mind at ease. I can help him to reduce that feeling. I can reassure him. I can be more careful about the language that I use and even the way that I'm asking the questions. Another example of this, this was a couple years ago, I was like in an argument, whatever, not an argument, like a disagreement with a friend, right? And I said something like, well, we can agree to disagree. I'll talk to you later. And her response was very like, you know, I enjoyed our friendship. I'm sorry I had to end this way. I was like, what? <laughs> I had to end this way. Like, what are you talking about? Dude, we're just, you know, we'll talk about it tomorrow. It's no big deal. And her response upset me. I'm like, why is she acting like we're never going to talk again? Because we didn't see eye to eye on this one thing. And I remembered that I needed to pause and think about her life experiences and why she was being perhaps proactive and kind of like saying, hey, listen, you know, you're out of my life now. We've had this disagreement. You are out of my life. That's kind of like the text message she had sent back to me. And I had to just recognize like, you know what? This comes from her needing to be protective because she's experienced so much abandonment in her life. She's just being proactive. So what can I do to not make her feel like I'm going to abandon her? I could text back to her and say like, dude, how dare you? Like, calm down. Why are you cutting me out of your life? Like, why are you acting like we're never going to talk again? You're overreacting. I could say that to her, but that would make it feel worse. Instead, I thought about what her life experiences were, and I responded to her, listen, girl, I'm not going anywhere. You're never going to be able to get rid of me. I love you. I love you so much that we can agree to disagree we can debate things, we can talk about things, and we can still love each other. I am never going anywhere. We are friends for life. So don't ever forget that, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. That's what I needed to do, and it's what I did. But I have to tell you that my neuropathways, my go-to, my habitual way of fighting was to, in the moment, I wanted to respond to her and say, like, how dare you? think that I'm that shallow of a person, that I'm, you know, we're not going to be friends just because we disagree. So I had to stop myself and go like, okay, so 
Why are we suddenly in a fight because she sent this text or I've sent the text or whatever? Like, why am I feeling so angry? And I realized that the reason why I felt so angry is because her saying that felt like an attack on my integrity. But the bigger question for me to ask is, why do I feel that way? Why is that a trigger for me? Where has that happened to me in the past? And how did I deal with it? And does she really feel that way about me? Or is this really her feeling triggered by the thoughts of abandonment? You see what I'm saying? Like, so it just, it softens your heart to have empathy for yourself and empathy for the other person. Step three is to remove the anger. And this might take 10 minutes. It might take a full minute, it might take a full week, it might take a month. But you need to let the other person know that you love them and I need a moment to think this through. If you ignore the person, if you don't respond at all, you're gonna make matters worse. Now it feels as though you've just completely ignored them and that is to invalidate their feelings. So it's very important that you respond. A lot of times these fights can happen on text messaging, which is so strange, but a lot of people do that because they don't want to confront someone or argue in person. So they tend to fight via text message. But whenever possible, I want you to either call that person or leave them a voicemail or standing right in front of them, let them know like, you know what, what I want to do is just like think this through and I want to be in a really good place and I want to be able to hear your side of things. So let's talk about this tomorrow, but I don't want you to think I'm ignoring you or that I don't want to resolve this. I do, but I think I just need some time to think it through. Don't say I'm too angry to talk to you right now. I mean, unless you have to, sometimes you have to say that to people just so they're like, okay, stop, stop. No, we're, we're not going to resolve this right now. I've heard many couples say, Never go to bed angry, which is probably really good advice. But I can tell you as someone who's been married for 25 years, there have been nights where we are too angry to resolve it that night. Like we're in a fight and it's 11 o'clock and one of us has to get up the next morning early. So what we'll say is like, can we talk about this tomorrow? And yeah, it's hard to sleep when you have the person laying right next to you that you're upset with or you feel like you're in a fight with. But if you both agreed to talk about it again, that's the most important thing you can do. Just expecting that you'll wake up the next morning, like, you know, rolling over and ignoring each other and expecting it to go away is the wrong thing to do. Things you sweep under the rug, they just pile up and they get moldy and they can destroy relationships. Make it a point to discuss it again later and say, I love you, but let's talk about this tomorrow so we can have some time to think about it. Just say that, some time to think about it. And then that way you can get a good night's sleep and Lord knows that you are going to do a much better job of communicating and being kind and being loving when you are able to think it through calmly, when you're not constantly thinking like, we need to resolve this in the next 20 minutes or I'm not gonna get enough sleep and I'm gonna look like crap and I'm, you know, all those things. Like just get yourself a good night's sleep. Listen, and when it comes to getting a good night's sleep, you need a good mattress. We invest in so many things related to our health and not enough people realize how important your sleep is to everything. Your executive function, your body, the way that you recover from your workouts, 
just about every part of your health is impacted by, improved by, or diminished by the quality of your sleep. And that's why we've made the investment in our mattress 17 years ago when we bought our first sleep number bed. And it's why Sleep Number is one of the very first people who we reached out to to become sponsors for the show. And when you guys send me messages on Instagram, you're like, do you really sleep on a Sleep Number bed? Yeah. And if you follow me long enough, you know that I do because I talk about our Sleep Number bed. Currently, my sleep has been off the charts and my sleep number, you have like a little setting on your side of the bed and your partner's side of the bed if you want. My sleep number setting at the moment is 79 and Brett's at the moment is 90. Mm-hmm. We have a sleep number 360. It's like a smart bed. So like it can sense the way you're moving at night and it adjusts the comfort of your bed without you having to do anything. It also has sleep IQ inside the bed, which means it actually tracks the way that you're sleeping. So I was gonna get one of those rings that tracks the way that you're sleeping, but instead I've got a bed that does it so I don't have to wear like a ring that doesn't match my outfit. And you can get so many insights from the way that you are sleeping. So here's the deal. I want you to experience this for yourself. So during their Veterans Day special, you can save up to $1,000 on a new Sleep Number 360 bed the special edition smart bed, and it's now only $17.99 plus, of course. And if you're in the military or a veteran, you get additional savings. Now, you're only going to find a sleep number bed only at one of their 600 sleep number stores. They're everywhere. So I want you to look up the one that's closest to you, and you can do that by going to sleepnumber.com forward slash Shaleen. All right, back to the show. There's always like one partner who's like, no, we're going to deal with this right now. And it's usually me. But I've learned in recent years how counterproductive that is. Your next step is to listen with compassion and with one objective in mind. And that objective is not to win or to bring that person over to your way of thinking. I want you to listen with the sole objective of having them suffer less. That's the only way you win and they win. Think about this. You have to really listen in such a way that they suffer less. This next tip, if I'm being 100% honest, is one that I'm working on. Like I get really good at it and then I go back to my old ways, but I'm still going to share it with you because I'm trying to keep myself accountable as well. And that is to use gentle and kind language. I've gotten really good at starting off this way, but I've also noticed that when I feel like I'm losing my grip or the message isn't coming through or I really need to make my point, I tend to be too direct and sometimes use language that's very honest and very blunt and it can hurt people. It can sting. So really, I'm trying to get better at this and I'm just being honest with you and telling you that. Like I used to just be like, I got to be honest. I'm going to be bold and direct. I'm not afraid to tell the truth. I'm not afraid to tell it like it is. And now I realize what good does that do? It just makes the other person attacked, exposed, feel less than, feel defensive. It just doesn't help. I understand that there are times, like especially if you're like counseling an employee, you might need to be very direct and very specific. 
if it boils down to dire circumstances, you've tried other approaches, you've tried the kinder, gentler, calmer approach, and now you just really have to get this person's attention because it's life or death, or it's really an urgent matter. They could lose their job, or they could get suspended from school, or if they keep this up, you're going to end the marriage. Like There are times when you really have to be direct, but more often than not, I want you to exhaust every possible kind and gentle way to have a discussion that you can think of. Next, own your part. Remember that your goal is to help this person to suffer less. Your goal is to make sure you both feel good about whatever resolution you reach. And one of the easiest way to do that is by owning your part. I don't care how righteous you think you are and that is 100% this person's fault. Put yourself in their shoes. I want you to think the way they think, even if you believe it's really immature the way that they think or it's really one-sided or whatever. Just imagine things from their perspective. Like, I want you to pretend that you are this person. Let's say that this person is Sally. So let's pretend for a moment that you're actually Sally and you are explaining to your best friend, you're Sally, and you're explaining to Sally's best friend how you, meaning you as who you are, what you've done wrong. So I want you to like literally pretend that you're them and imagine all of the things from their perspective. This means that you actually have to see what they've done right. You need to see their true intentions. You need to see things from their perspective, from their point of view. It means that you need to stop thinking about them as the enemy and to actually think of the things that they've done right, the things that you've overlooked, think of the things that you've done wrong, think of the ways that they would interpret right or wrong the things that you've done, like really, truly try to imagine it from their perspective so that you can then provide an unconditional apology. An unconditional apology means that you're saying, I can see how this may have hurt you. I can see how me saying this may have felt like I was leaving you or abandoning you. And for that, I am so sorry. Not I am so sorry, but that's not what I meant. And you overreacted. See, that's a conditional apology. A true apology means you are remorseful and you're not pointing fingers or explaining yourself away. This is especially true with couples, especially true if there's been some form of betrayal. The only way to come back from some form of betrayal whether that's an affair or hiding something from your spouse or or doing something that jeopardizes the trust of the person who you're in this discord with, the only way to truly come back from that is to begin to build trust. And to do that, you have to get the other person to bring their guard down. And if you apologize by saying, I did this, but what you're doing is you're pointing at them and saying, it's their fault. As soon as you say, but, as soon as your apology is conditional, it's not an apology. It's an excuse. Marriages cannot move forward unless both partners are willing to own their part. Relationships don't move forward. They can't become healthier relationships unless you're both willing to own your part. And the moment you do, the moment you apologize without conditions, You soften the heart of the other person. And ultimately, that's what you need to do to win. Those who know how to fight, or better framed, those who know how to win are very skilled at examining perception, their own perception 
and the perception that others may have, even if it's the wrong perception. In order to win, you have to recognize that your perception is just that. It's yours. And the other party or other group, they have their own perception. And guess what? They're both valid. So do yourself a favor and question your own perception. Work to understand theirs. And the best way to do that is by asking questions and not in a defensive way, but as a compassionate listener, saying things like, I want to make sure I understand you correctly, and then clarify their perception. You can ask for an understanding of their perception or what gave them that perception. But again, with as little defensive language as possible, use loving language. Take yourself out of it. Don't take it personal. And remember at all times that this is a person with their own deep-seated pain, suffering, and past experiences. It's less about you and more about their past. Listen, when we are in a fight, if that's what we're going to call it, it is so easy to find yourself in a stalemate where you're not going to make the first move and you expect them to, and you can't even imagine bringing yourself to the point of apologizing or even having compassion because they are so wrong. This is their doing and you feel so hurt and there you stay in passive aggressive purgatory. And purgatory is to remain in a state of suffering, like you are intentionally staying in that state when you're waiting for the other person to do something first. I have to tell you that nothing's going to move. You're going to stay right there until someone does something, and it needs to be you. If making an apology or even reaching out feels almost impossible, remember this. If you don't make the first step, you are choosing to stay in a state of suffering. So I recommend that you offer what is called a bid. This is a concept developed by John Gottman. John Gottman is one of the leading experts on relationships. Check out any of his books online or audibles. I'm paraphrasing, but I think of a bid as being the first person to make some small gesture that feels like a peace offering. It's being in a standoff with your best friend and asking if they want to go to a movie this Friday. It's being in the middle of a fight with your husband. You haven't talked in a couple of days and just walking over them and gently kissing their cheek. You haven't said anything. You haven't apologized, but it's a bid. And every small bid, every small gesture of peace, every peace offering softens their heart. You literally can feel that. And I know a lot of people believe that cell phones have ruined our ability to communicate, but I don't necessarily think that's so. Sometimes it's easier to reach out to somebody via text and actually soften their heart. It's easier for you in the middle of a standoff than it might be to say these things in person. Let's say that you've been arguing with your teenage daughter and now she's at school and you're expecting her to walk through the doors and apologize and see the wrongs of her way. Instead, you might just send her a text message that says, I love you. Maybe you're upset with your best friend and it's been a month since you've really sat down to talk and you're waiting for her to make the first move and she's waiting for you to make the first move, just offer a bid. You don't have to address the bigger issue, but you might send her a text message and just say, you know, no one makes me laugh the way you do. Or you can use some humor. Like I find that humor is it's easier to make a bid that's filled with humor. And it's also easier to receive one 
right? Like when you can interject humor into anything, everything is better. So you might send your best friend to text says like, hey, I, I know we haven't been seeing eye to eye lately, or I know we haven't seen each other recently, but in case no one told you today, you got a really cute butt. Like inject some humor. That's a bid. A bid might be gently touching someone's arm. It might be sending them an emoji. It might be bringing them home a small gift. It might be just doing something nice, but it's the first person to do it. It's the bid that begins to melt the ice. Lastly, I want to give you some specifics when it comes to language. One of the worst things you can say is, we need to talk. That just puts people on defensive. And no, they just know a confrontation is coming. Instead, one of the best ways to start a conversation so it doesn't feel like an argument is simply to say, I need your help. I'd love to get your input. I'm really struggling and I need you. Remember that in order to win, you need both parties to feel good about themselves. When we're defending ourselves, we feel bad. When we're helping others, we feel good. So start conversations that even though you're thinking of this right now as a fight, think of it as your opportunity to ask someone for help. Ask them for understanding. Consider being a little vulnerable. Let them know that you're hurting or that you're suffering and that you need their help. And maybe you're not in a fight right now, but you're thinking about a fight. Does that make sense? You're wondering in this moment because you feel lost or confused Or what is the right thing to do? Like, should you address this matter? Should you fight back? Should you say nothing? Should you agree or disagree? Is it time to do something or to say something or not? Like, should you leave or should you stay? You just feel confused. And when that happens, the most important thing you can do is pause and breathe and process. The worst thing you can do is sweep it under the rug and decide not to think about it. We all know that person who they've gone too many months, too many years without saying anything. And now it feels like there's so much rage and anger in this usually very calm, peaceful person. But now you can just tell like they are a ticking time bomb and they're about to explode. Maybe that's you. We all know someone like that. Or maybe we've all been in that situation where we just we feel like we're going to explode. Now imagine a balloon that you've blown up to its fullest capacity, like one more puff of air and it's going to pop. It's going to explode. You can add more air to the balloon or you can let a little seep out. And you know which one you need to do. You need to let a little bit out before you get to the point that you're about to explode. When you're dealing with someone who you know they are in that state of mind, it's so important that you Allow them to get a little bit out so that you don't have a dire situation, so that there isn't an explosion. You need to diffuse some of the tension. And the best way to do that is to just listen. Just listen and take notes. Don't reply. Nod. Be empathetic. Ask clarifying questions. Repeat back to them what they've just said. Okay, so let me understand. You simply saying, let me understand this doesn't mean that you're agreeing with what they said or even their perspective. What you're doing is working to understand it. Your best move might simply be to sit down with this person and understand their perspective. That might be your first step before 
meeting with them again or chatting with them again to reach a better understanding. Like just doing that is going to diffuse the tension, the anger, the rage that's about to explode. And you're much more likely to reach a resolution if you can do that. Listen, this is a skill and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I'm not. But I want to be much better at it because everyone who's in my life at the moment, I can't think of a person who I don't truly love and believe that they're a good person. But that's not to say we don't occasionally have a fight, discord, whatever you want to call it, like that feeling. Everyone who you love in your life, there's moments when you've got anger towards them or you feel sad or they've made you feel sad or there's something you have to address. And if we can get better at doing this, how much better our children will be, our relationships, how much better your health will be. Like when you're in a fight with someone, your stress level, your cortisol goes through the roof. Like being in a fight with someone makes you fat. I don't know if you know that, but it's just so bad for your health. So it seems like a skill that's perhaps even more important than, well, just about anything else. I mean, relationships need to come first. So practice learning how to fight, or should I say, learn how to win by leading with love.